0: Last week, if you were here, I spoke on, we did a bit of a building inspection on our foundations, right? And we went back to talk about the cornerstone, which is Jesus. You cannot lay anything down in Christianity until you first lay down the, the cornerstone, which is Jesus. Everything stems from the cornerstone. Your life and my life the joy, the peace, the fulfilment, uh, the strength, everything that you can think about in your life, the abundant life flows from the foundation stone, which is Jesus. And you need to, I said last week, you need to make sure that that foundation, you came to that foundation in the right reasons, Not because you had a boyfriend at church or a girlfriend at church or your husband came first and then you came later. No, you've got to realise that you need to know that you personally have to lay down that foundation stone in your heart, Jesus. For for reasons, for one reason, this is the great foundational stuff. The reason you and I come to Jesus, I said last week, because we're sinners. There is no one righteous, the Bible says, not even one. You can't come to Jesus for the abundant life. You can't come to Jesus just for the abundant life. You can't come to Jesus just for the blessing. You need to come in an understanding and a realisation that the reason I come to Jesus is because I've fallen short of the glory of God. And His word, His law, tells me that I sometimes I lie. The the whole law was given... The, when you read the Bible, the law was given so you can actually understand how much of a sinner you are. And then to top it off, because, you know, all these Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie, shall honour your mother and father. I reckon we probably all fail on that one. And, and there's all this list, but it's it's there to show you, you are a sinner, you fall short of the glory of God. And then what Jesus does when he comes on the earth, he makes it worse than that. One, the written law, but then Jesus comes along and says, do you know what? If a guy looks at a woman lustfully, he has committed adultery. See, the Old Testament said, do not commit adultery, right? Well, that's fair enough. I haven't committed adultery because that's the word. Jesus goes deeper. He gets into the spirit and says, hey, if you look at your brother angrily, you've sinned. It's like you've murdered him. So what Jesus has done is made it worse for us, right? But that's the point. The point is that you might understand how short you have fallen, how much of a sinner we are. And that brings you to your knees because then you see this amazing thing that God has done by sending Christ into the world. And all of a sudden he says he dies for the sins of the world to make you righteous. Why do I come to Jesus? Because I'm a, oh, I won't say that word, I'm a sinner. The Apostle Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. I wonder who here is more righteous than the Apostle Paul. You look at his life. His life, even before he came to Christ, the Apostle Paul, man, he was meticulous to the law. Whatever the law was, he did it. And then you write, when you... See the revelation that he gets of who he really is. Later on in the Bible, he says, I am the chief of sinners because he sees the glory of God. He sees the light of God. He sees his own sin in the light of God, not by comparing himself. Oh, I'm more righteous than Denise every day, no problem. But I don't do that, right? Because I'm not supposed to judge. I'm not supposed to compare myself with somebody else. Cause that really lifts you up. Yeah, I'm better than that guy, yeah, I'm better than Nick for sure. Nah, it's joking. We're both sinners. What we're supposed to do and look at the light of God and the glory of God and the holiness of God that's when you go, Oh my goodness, I'm a sinner and I need saving. That's the reason everyone in this place needs to come to Jesus because that's great foundational stuff. Therefore, if I do that and I remember now that I'm Christ is in me and the righteousness I've received is not from my own doing, it's Him. And that will stem out throughout your life and it will keep you in good stead. Because when you fail, when you sin, and you do, even after you come to Christ, you will always go back to the foundation saying, you know what? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not by what I do, but by what I believe. And so that's what last week was about. But this week, we're going to build on that because we talked about Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, who came and laid down the foundation after they, they left Babylon, he brought this, they put this foundation stone. It's a kind of picture of what we've just spoke about. Zerubbabel came along and he put the foundation stone of the temple, which we do as well. The foundation is Christ. Louis is the temple, you are the temple, the foundation stone's been laid, and then we start to build, right? Zerubbabel starts to build, he puts the foundation stone, he starts to build. Six years later, he starts to build. But what happened was, as he laid down that foundation, great opposition in Zerubbabel. These people were going, hey, these Jews, man, these this, these, these guys have come into the into the temple and they're coming to the broken of Jerusalem and they're establishing a temple for their God and there was great opposition and they tried to stop the work and they did for a little while. took him six years before the temple was up. But this is like a picture of what happens when you and I get saved. When you and I get saved for the first time, Satan knows he needs to demolish and come against you early. He doesn't want you to take root on this foundation. If you start building on this foundation, he knows like that you'll start to grow in your faith and won't be rocked by things. You, you know. And what he tries to do is early on, pull out that little seed, come against you. How many times have you known people that have come to Christianity and only in a few months or six months or eight months, they're gone? Why? Why are they gone? Because the enemy knows you need to rip him up now. He'll throw things in there like the parable about the seed that gets thrown out. Some gets choked. Others worry about the things of this world and he rips them up early. But if you stay established in the faith, you'll start to grow. And so we pick up the story now. Zerubbabel's gone. So what needs to happen next? Ezra comes along. Now Ezra, I love this guy. So Zerubbabel's laid down the temple. All of a sudden, Ezra comes along, and let me tell you a little bit about Ezra, the kind of man we're dealing with this morning. He's a priest. He's a teacher, skilled in the law. He's a leader. He's a man who trusted God's word. This guy, like Nehemiah, let me tell you, what the difference between Ezra when he went to the king. Cyrus, one of those kings, he said, I'm going back to Jerusalem and I'm going to do this, this and that. I'm going to establish the law. And you know what? He believed God so much. He didn't even ask him for any protection on his way. Four month journey, really dangerous. He just believed, you know what? I believe God's word. He's going to watch over me. He's going to protect me and off he went. That's the kind of man Ezra is. But let me tell you, you'll get a picture of what he's, this guy. He's not only skilled in the word, but he applies the word to his life. Let me read for you so you can get a picture of what this man's like and think about yourself and what you, how you treat God's word in your life. Listen to what it says, Ezra 9, 1 to 5. After, oh, here you go. After these things Had been done, the leaders came to me and said, The people of Israel, including the priests and the Levites, have not kept themselves separate from the neighboring peoples with their detestable practices, like the Canaanites, the Hedites, the Pezzizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites. Sounds like a song, it's like a rap song. The Moabites, the Egyptians, and Amorites, they have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons and have mingled the holy race with the people around them. And the leaders and the officials have led the way in this unfaithfulness. When I heard this, this is Ezra, I tore my tunic and cloak, I pull, pulled hair from my head and beard and sat down appalled. Then everyone who trembled at the words of God of Israel, gods of Israel, the words of God of Israel gathered around me because of this unfaithfulness of the exiles and I sat there appalled until evening sacrifice. Here is a guy who loves the Word of God so much, who reverences the Word of God so much that he sees unfaithfulness in somebody else, his own people, and he sits there and he pulls out his beard, rips out his hair. He had hair, which is good. Somebody like Nick, you would be a struggle, bro. It's all right, isn't it? He would grab his beard. Have you ever done that? Looked at your life, sinned against God and sat there and went, oh, man. Or do we just, ah, well, grace of God. I'm under the grace of God. Not knowing that the grace of God is supposed to lead us to a holy life. The grace of God is put on your life that God can build on in your life Holiness. That's what it's for. And there's this reverence for the Word of God that I believe we don't have because we've been lopsided with too much grace, grace, grace. And I'm not denying it, we're saved by grace. But the grace of God does not give you a license to sin. You just can't do that. Your Christianity is not going to be built on the rock. Jesus died for your sin. Not so you could just keep living your life the way you want. It's just not right. It's just not biblical. It's not foundational. And here's Ezra who's just, oh my goodness, ripped out my beard. Look at what these people are doing. They're marrying people that aren't Jewish, people that aren't against God's law because the law of God said you should not marry these other ones from any of these other different gods that worship different gods. And here he is. And so here's a man who's come at the right time, the right person is, God has appointed the right man for this job. And so when we pick it up on what Ezra does, Ezra in Nehemiah 8, I won't bring it up because it's too many scriptures, but I'll just pick out verses. In in Nehemiah 8, he begins to read the word of God to these people, right? And they all gathered and Ezra stood on the stage just like Louis standing on a stage and a pulpit. And early in the morning, he read early in the morning to midday, he read the word of God. So early in the morning, six o'clock to 12 o'clock, six hours. Imagine that, me standing here, reading for you the Old Testament for six hours. I know what you guys would be thinking. Right. So anyway, he sees it in, in Nehemiah 8.6. He says, they say... After listening, amen. Amen. With the raising of their hands, then they kneeled down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They heard the word of God. They repped less down on their knees but we you get a picture of what's happened in verse 9 in verse 9 because they were weeping so loud they were crying so loud because they've been disobedient to the word of god they were weeping and crying and they like ezra all of a sudden it's been passed on ezra's got this conviction in his life about how we should be treating the Word of God. He starts to preach it and then all of a sudden it passes, the DNA passes like Wendy said this morning. The DNA gets passed on to our children and to you and to me from other people. The DNA for Ezra now has been passed on to them. They're listening and listen to what it says in verse 9. Nehemiah says to him because he said, The day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. They weeped and they were crying because all of a sudden they realised how disobedient they were. Do you know, with us, we need to have a greater reverence. If we want to build on this foundation, we need to have a greater reverence for the Word of God. We cannot excuse the Word of God from our lives. We can't excuse what what scriptures might not you might not relate to or you might not agree with. I mean, if it's in the Bible, it's in there for a reason. God wanted you to know it. So you've got to not compromise with the Word of God. You've got to just listen and say, hey, I don't fully understand it, but this is what the Word of God says, and this is what I'm going to build on. And so Ezra comes along, and he's really careful on how he builds. And this is the just, I only got two points this morning, and I'll do it really fast. But point one, you have to watch how you build. How are you building on that foundation? And the Word of God has to be central. The Word of God has to be, has to be, has to be what you're building on. It can't be wooshy-washy. It has to be based on the Word of God. Because the Bible says, everything shall perish, but my Word remains forever. So if you build your life on the Word of God with uncompromising attitude, you will be like a building that is solid, foundational and fire comes along, circumstances come along, this comes along, you will rock solid, you will not be moved. Oh, except the water will be moved. It's built on sand, that's why. So, <laughs> so listen, watch how you build. Listen to this verse of scripture. It's a long one, but but meditate on it carefully because you and I, one day, we're going to stand in the glory. Poppy's cousin, John, he's in the glory. Time's over. But i tell you what, this is what's going to happen to him. It's going to happen to all of us. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 3, 5, 17. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you've come to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their labour. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field and his building. While the grace of God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build carefully, build with care no one can lay down the foundation other than the one that's already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Each person's work will be worked out and tested by fire. John's work right now will be tested by fire. His 25 years of service in Israel as a missionary will be tested by fire. Do you reckon it's going to withstand the stand? Yes, of course it is. You've got to make sure because I believe he built his life on the solid foundation with Jesus and he had the Word of God in his life and he applied the Word of God in his life and he and he preached the Word of God and he lived it. And so each one of us should work out how they're going to build because if it's wood, if it's hay, if it's straw, it's gonna burn. So what he's saying is gold and silver is what you want. But this morning, in the little bit of time I've got left, I want to show you something that if you put this into practice and build on these things, you will have a you will you will go into the glory and you will not you will receive a reward and it won't burn up because the Bible says. Just a couple of things before I move on to the second. It says, um, remember, look long term for the building and what you're doing. Look long term. Don't look short term. Think about yourself. Okay, I'm building something that's going to withstand the judgment and the fire of God. That's what I'm building. So don't look temporary. Just look long term. How am I going to build my life? So it's long term, it's stability, it's going to test, it's going to prove that it tests the fire that comes. No shortcuts when it comes to the building. If you watch the block, Dan and Keith, I love those guys. They're the inspectors. They're the ones that come along. They're building and all of a sudden they're building. The guy who comes and says, hey, is that supposed to be 600 mil high made of that cement? It's only 300 high. And they get so frustrated, the contestants, they just want to smash them. I want to get in the TV and smash it. It's like, leave the guys alone, mate. They've been working like full on for like 24 hours now. And then you come along and say, right, rip it up. That's what he does. He says, rip it up. I'm telling you what, God is the architect of your life. And we and people around you, we are the guys that are co-laborers. And like Ezra, you've got people around you that are preaching the word of God. They're trying to get you to do the right thing. We're trying to, And the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is like the inspector. The Holy Spirit will come along and He will go, Louie, I definitely don't like your attitude here. I go, What attitude, man? I got an attitude? Look at me. Got an attitude, man. Tell it to somebody else. They've got the attitude, not me. The Holy Spirit is the one that examines your heart and He's supposed to examine your heart. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit, because when you're about to do something or say something or or walk into something, the Holy Spirit says, hey, that's not good building. I'd be careful what you're about to do. That's what his job is, right? He's the inspector. He comes and inspects your life and tells you what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to build. And because he takes the Word of God and he applies it to your life and he convicts you. And he builds on it. He reminds you, the Bible says, of what Jesus has said. He reminds you of what the Word of God says. He reminds you of all these things that you're building, which is the Word of God. Look long term. Let the Holy Spirit be the great inspector. Um. Now, how to build this temple that will stand the time and the judgment that come. Last point. All you need to do is find out which I did, which is really strange because you want to build with gold, right? And I found out in the Bible, there's something greater than gold. So I'm thinking to myself, ah, okay, if there's something greater than gold, if I build my life on these things, then mate, bring on the fire. Because even the gold melts, and it doesn't dissipate and disappear, but it melts and gets purified, all this stuff. But what if there's something greater than gold? You know what? I won't give you the, I'll give you the verse of scripture. It won't be flashed up here. These are the four things that I found a greater worth than gold. If you build your life on these things, you're laughing. Number one, his word. Psalm 119, verses 72. His word is greater than gold. If you build your life on the word of God, it's greater than gold. The fire comes, forget it. Your faith, 1 Peter 1.7, is of greater worth than gold. If you apply the Word of God in your life and you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and cares for you, that is gold above gold. There's gold and there's faith. There's gold and there's the Word. It's above that which the fire cannot. The gold comes, but you're building on something greater than gold. Your faith. This is why it's so important because everything gets tested in your life, right? And it tests what? The calibre of your faith. That's why when you go through things and difficulties, what has God allow you to go through difficult times and circumstances? To make your faith to withstand the fires that God's going to judge you upon. Because when God says, hey, when you were suffering and you were going through that time, do you know what, Louis? You never faltered, not once. Job. Never faltered once. And God allowed Satan in Job's life to do all these crazy things to him. He came forth as better than gold. Never denied God, not once. It's your faith of greater worth than gold. That's what you should be building with. Um, Wisdom. Proverbs 8.19 says, Wisdom is greater than gold. You and I, godly wisdom. Faith, but wisdom, practical wisdom. When you look at something and you're going to make a decision about something, you think to yourself, is that the wisest thing to do? Is that the wise thing to do? And then you play it in your mind. Okay, if I do come along and Denise has got her... Purse over there, and I'm tempted because I need money, right? And I see that her purse is there, but she's not there. You won't find any money in there? Why don't you do all that money I gave you? you know? Anyway, but, but your wisdom will say to you, well, mate, if I steal that, like, I don't know if, it's, if I'll get busted, and then all of a sudden she rings the coppers and They come and get me because I just stole $20. And is that $20 worth me getting a criminal record and uh, going in jail and uh, standing before them? And then all the congregation says, "Louis just stole $20 from this person. And then you play it in your head, right? And then all of a sudden, wisdom comes knocking. Wisdom comes knocking. You know what, Lord? I'm trusting you for my next 20 bucks. I don't need to do that. I just choose the right thing because you are my God. You supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. Wisdom! <laughs> okay last one so you got the words greater than gold your faith is greater than gold wisdom is greater than f- i know i'm not giving these what they do we could stay on these four for like four weeks the blood of jesus 1 peter 1 18 and 19 the blood of jesus is of more value than gold The blood of the eternal Son of God that washes you of sin. Why is it greater than gold? Because it's what I said before, that I am righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ. My robe of righteousness is being dipped in His blood. And so every time Satan comes up to you and accuses you of what you've done wrong, you say to him, The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me of all sin, hallelujah, far out. Greater worth than gold. They overcome Satan by the word of their testimony and the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why it's worth greater than gold. And because all you're doing continually, it's gonna, you're going to stand in there when the fire and the judgment of God comes along and blows on you, God's going to say, He says, look at this guy. He's here, not on his own doing, not on his own merit, not on his own works. And he's standing here by faith in the name of Jesus, by the word and by faith, by wisdom, because wisdom calls out, stands on the street and yells out, telling you to come to Christ. And by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you like walk through that fire and go, yeah, thank you, Jesus. So this morning, what are you building on? What are you compromising in? Don't compromise the word of God. Don't compromise in your life. Look long term. Think about yourself. You know what, Lord? I will be standing before God one day and I want my work to withstand the judgment and the fire that's going to come. I don't want to build on hay and straw. I want to build on gold. Build on that which is greater than gold. Here it is again. His word, your faith, wisdom, and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand up this morning and uh, pray. Muses are going to come and sing whatever they want. And uh, we're just going to take a couple of minutes, just to think about our, our our salvation. Think about our walk. Think about what we have not applied in our lives. What we have allowed in our lives—it's been this wood and, and stubble and compromise and sin. And I want you to think about, or just meditate this morning, on what the Holy Spirit will say to you in the next couple of minutes because he will speak to you about a certain situation, about certain compromises in your life, certain things that you do not apply the word of God to, certain things that you like unreasonable to you and you, you don't go there because you're not sure why God would say that. And I just pray that as the Holy Spirit speaks to you this morning, there'll be repentance, just repentance of the heart. Say, Lord, you know what? I have compromised in this area and I have built on that foundation stone and it hasn't been right. So Father, I just repent from that. And start putting in good foundations. So this morning, just thinking, just close your eyes. Just allow the Holy Spirit just to come upon you this morning.